Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to share a little bit out of the word, and I'm going to start by prayer. And we have a couple of testimonies for you this morning. Heavenly Father, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just love you this morning. We thank you that you first loved us. And I pray today for the, your anointing, your precious Holy Spirit to be in our presence and to lead us and guide us and that every lady will receive from you what she needs today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we want to share a little bit with you about the love of God for a few minutes, okay? Um, I know a lot of times people step into churches and they think the people that have been there have been there all their life. Well, you know what? I, I grew up in a church. I wasn't there very often just to do the, just to follow the, whatever rules there were. But I grew up not knowing who Jesus was. I mean, I saw him on the cross. I saw, you know, there was a little bit of like, you know, reverence when you walked in the church, a little bit of, you knew it was about God and your parents took you there, but, but there was no relationship with God. It was all about religion. And if people said to me, what church do you, do you go to? You would basically say, I'm, you would say your religion. I'm Baptist, I'm Catholic, I'm this, I'm that. But it was not about our relationship with Jesus. Well, when I was 23 years old, uh, my best friend started going to church. And one night I was wondering, where are you? Where are you going? She said, church. I said, church? Why would you even go to church? And she said, yeah, you want to you come? Well, she was my best friend. I would have followed her to the end of the world. But meanwhile, we were just, we were kind of druggies together. And we would just get high every day. And so I just, I didn't even, I didn't connect anything. But I went to church that night. And I heard about the love of God. I heard about the immense love of God. I heard what Jesus did for me, that he went to the cross, that he died for my sins. I, I heard a message that transformed my life. I heard that when we leave this earth, that we're not going to just go to sleep in a grave, but we're going somewhere. I learned that there was heaven waiting and I learned that I needed to be forgiven of my sins in order to get into heaven. And the only way that could happen was by receiving Jesus as my Lord and Savior. The most awesome thing that happened to me that night was I was, in, I was, I was dating a guy for, I don't know, since I was 13, almost 10 years. I thought we were going to get married. I was looking for the love of my life. I just wanted somebody to love me that I loved. You know how you have, you know, guys come along and they love you, but you're just, you know, that's just not who you love. And the ones you love, they never loved you back. Well, I wanted somebody to love me that I loved. And you know what? I ran smack into the love of Jesus. I knew that it wasn't a religion anymore. I knew that somebody paid the price for my sins. I knew that I didn't have to be insecure anymore. I knew that I, 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 I could be free. And so that night, I was presented the message of Jesus Christ and what he did for me. I have a scripture that I just want to share. It says in uh, Psalm 103, verses 10 through 12, in the New Living Translation, it says, He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. And I, and I deserved it. 
I didn't live for God. I used God's name in vain. I just lived life. I didn't think anything. I just did. You just live life. It says, for his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great, listen to this, as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. Listen, that day, I knew that I could be forgiven of all my sins. I knew that I didn't have to hide anymore. I knew that I could be transparent and free. And from that moment on, I didn't care what anybody thought about me. I was like, I am loved. God did this for me. He sent. We are all sinners. We've all messed up. But you know what? The devil has played the guilt game and the shame game and the insecurity and the not enough. And you're going to hear a great message here in, in, in a few minutes. But I want you to know that the word of God declares that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, say whosoever, whosoever. believes on him will have everlasting life. And it goes on and, and will not perish but have everlasting life. And it goes on to say that in, in, John, in, in the next verse, it, that God did not send his son to condemn the world. God is not mad at you. He has not condemned you. God is coming to you with arms wide open today. You are here not by coincidence. You are here because the Bible says God knew you before the foundations of the world. He knows the end from the beginning, and he knew you would be here today, and he wants you to know that he has his arms wide open and he's, and he's wanting to put them around you. He's wanting you to receive that love this morning. My life was transformed. I didn't know Pastor Ed. My husband is the pastor of Living Word. I didn't know him. I met him months later. It was just my life. All I wanted to do was live for Jesus. I wanted the whole world that they needed to be saved. When you find a love that is over the top, it's not a love you want to hide, is it? You want the world to know, and that's what happened to me. And I have another testimony. I'm going to come back in just a minute, but we have another testimony. Rachel, where are you? Um, that I, I want Rachel to hear. She had a, a similar experience, and uh, she's going to come on up, and she's going to share her testimony with what God has done in her life. Hi. So I'm not uh, used to talking to a room full of people, so just be patient with me. <laughs> it's actually really funny because at the last woman's breakfast, I was pregnant with my second daughter, and now I'm pregnant with my fourth. So <laughs> um, that's just all glory to God. But um, So Pastor Judy wanted me to share my testimony, and um, so here it is. So I was about 22 years old, and I was a single mom. Uh, I was in a really bad relationship with her dad, with my daughter's dad, and uh, he was mentally abusive, physically abusive. Um, he was in and out of jail. It was just like a really dark time for me and my daughter. And um, my friend was dating this guy at the time, and he would, he would talk about Jesus, and he just always had this light around him, and I was just like, wow, so captivated by him all the time. And he would always talk about Jesus, you know, what Jesus did, who Jesus was. And, and I didn't know about Jesus. I didn't grow up. I grew up a Catholic, so it was very, 
I was never in church, but that was just what we were. And uh, so I didn't know anything about Jesus. So when he would talk about him, I'd be like, oh, okay. So I'd start, went on YouTube and start like, I'd Google a lot of stuff and I'd YouTube a lot of stuff. And I started watching like a lot of Sid Roth and John Ramirez. Like it was very like interesting stuff. So I was like, wow, like this is really cool. But then I fell into like this dark YouTube hole of um, like how demonic the world was and how evil everything was. And it started to scare me. I was like, oh my gosh, like what kind of world do I live in? Like, I don't even want to leave my house. <laughs> so like it kind of paralyzed me. Um, and then, you know, fast forward a couple months and me and my friend were driving with my daughter in the back seat. And, you know, we were, had the music blaring and we were just kind of messing around. and we got into this really bad car accident and um, I was crossing a four lane street and um, a guy ran a red light and hit my side of the car, spun the car around and pushed me onto the other side of the, um, the street where the cars were coming. And there was a van coming at my daughter's um, side of the car and she was in the back seat and the van didn't hit us. And so me and um, my friend, we get out of the car and we're just like, all discombobulated and I get my daughter out of the car. And some lady comes out of the um, gas station, she starts yelling, I just saw Jesus, I saw God, I saw angels over the baby. I didn't believe and now I believe and she's crying and she's, and she's speaking in tongues and I've never heard anybody speak in tongues and I was like, oh my gosh, like, what is going on? She's, she, and she just keeps speaking in tongues and she keeps seeing Ezekiel 2012, Ezekiel 2012. And I was just like so blown away. Like, and then I went back later on and I seen the um, tape. I asked the guy to see the tape and you could see the minivan move. Like it didn't hit my daughter's car. Sorry, it's so much. It's just so crazy. And I've never like, so I've never had anything like that. So she's saying Ezekiel 2012, Ezekiel 2012. And, and um, so I went back and I seen it and oh, I looked up the scripture and it said, um, I gave, so, rewind when I was in that dark hole of YouTube you know I thought the church was corrupted I thought um, the world was corrupted I was just like everything's so evil nobody like what's what and my sister just started coming to church and she to this church and she was like you need to come to church and I was like you don't know what's going on in the church <laughs> like I knew what was going on because <laughs> I knew it all and um, and so she's been telling me to come to church and we would just battle that back and forth and I was like whatever I wasn't coming to church so Ezekiel 20:12, I looked it up, and it says, I gave them my Sabbath to be a sign between me and them that they might know without a doubt that I am the Lord. So after that, I started coming to church, and I mean, it wasn't like anything crazy. I would wake up in the mornings. I would, I would still be living the life that I would live. I would even come to church stoned. Like, I would wake up and smoke weed, and I'd come to church stoned, and I would just be like, oh, my gosh, and I'd cry. I'd cry every time I was in church. I would just be so emotional, filled with the Holy Spirit, and now I knew that it was the Holy Spirit, but I wasn't, my life wasn't changing, like, I wasn't changing my life, and so I started coming to church, and um, so, but it, I mean, but I didn't stop coming, which was, which was the thing, that I, I would still be living my life outside of church, but I wouldn't stop coming to church, and then, um, but things just started to shift in my life, you know, my boyfriend that I was with at the time, my daughter's father, he went to jail for a long time. I was able to uh, get a restraining order on him, which was very um, hard for me at the time because, you know, when you're in those situations, you don't realize that you need to be out of them. So God just started moving, like, slowly and patiently with me. 
and, um, and then things just started to come into my life. So he left, which was so supernatural because he left and he hasn't bothered me since, which is like really, a, which is really nice for me and my daughter because it just wasn't the life we needed to live. And um, so he just kind of, God just took him away. I don't know, God has a different plan for him, but this was his plan for me and my daughter. So, so and then I met, um, a few months down the road, I met this um, new man who's now my husband. And, um, sorry, I just lost my place. <laughs> Um, so, like I said, I met this new guy, Josh, my husband, and he, uh, you know, we were still living by our own desires. We were still living by the world, and I, um, and I ended up pregnant again with my do second daughter, but um, I just knew, we just know that when we first met each other, this was God's plan for, our, for us to be together. So, we got married, we moved in with each other, and um, now my husband comes to church. We serve in church together. We hear from God. Um, things have just changed so drastically from where I was then and where I was now. Like I remember telling my daughter, I mean, telling my sister in the front row of the church in Norwell that I was pregnant again with a different dad. And it was just like, you, you look down that road and you just see from, like a, from a different perspective when you don't know God, you, God, you see a life of struggle, a life of sacrifice, a life, an unhappy life, just like constantly battling. But that is not my life today, which is all glory to God. I live a suburban, I'm a suburban mom. Like I live like a very happy lifestyle. Like I, I'm home with my kids, I'm raising my kids. My husband goes to work, I come to church, we serve in the church, we hear from God. My husband hears from God, I hear from God. We know God's plan for our life. And that is just like so miraculous to know that that you don't know what God's plan is and that if God can take me from the slumps and from being depressed and from being on drugs and from being a single mom with, with no future, with no husband, with no man to guide me in life to where I am now, just like God has the glory for that and I just thank him for it. And that's my testimony. <laughs> A life transformed, amen? And she didn't tell you that she's also finished four years of Bible school. She graduated this year. I mean, she just jumped right in when her life got changed. She didn't, like, hesitate. She started coming, and she ran with what God did. And I'm telling you, God is no respecter of persons, amen? And, I, and, and, and I, I, you know, I shared a little bit of my life. My life was totally transformed. People thought... Even the place that I was working at, I would go into work, and my boss would say, here she comes, hallelujah, Judy, you know, because I would just, the thing is, is his parents, I worked, at, I worked in a resort area in Lake Havasu, Arizona, and, and every night I'd come in, his parents would be sitting at the bar, but they just were in there to be around their son, and they were... Baptist, um, they were believing God for their son's salvation. They were, they they they, they were kind of upset that they didn't bring me the gospel. Amen. Uh, because, but I used to talk to them all the time. So you know, there's this 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 always somebody that's ministering to somebody. Amen. And if you're here today, I'm telling you, God is wanting to see your life transformed. Maybe you've. I mean, there's so many lives. This is the thing. You know, maybe years ago, Rachel or myself would be ashamed to let anybody know 
how we were living our life. But now we don't care because, it's, because we can share what happened for the glory of God and show the life change that God has done. Amen? And he wants to change your life. He wants to transform your life. You know, and, and, and honestly, I, I remember my older sister. She was on drugs, trying to kill herself, everything. She got radically saved. And she would tell me all about it. And I loved my sister so much that I would listen to her, but I would be like, yeah, 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 whatever. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm, I'm, you know, but, but when God gets a hold of you and that fire gets a hold of you, it changes everything. You know, he loves you. He's called you today. And we're asking you, before our, our next speaker comes, that's going to bring a life-transforming message, I'm asking you today, have you asked Jesus to come into your life? Maybe you didn't know you need. I didn't know I needed to. I left that night, and I thought, back then, they only had NBC, ABC, and CBS. That just tells you how old I am. But I thought, why isn't this on the news? Why doesn't the world know that they need Jesus? Why do they know, not know about the love of God? Why do they not know that there's a heaven and hell? And the only way to heaven is not by good works. It's not by how good you are. Because people say that, well, I'm good. I'm, 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 I'm going to heaven. No, the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says that he took your sin and my sin. And he bore our sins, and he went to hell for three days and three nights, and he paid the punishment that you and I deserved. Everything was put on him, but he never sinned. And on the third day, he rose again from the dead. But he paid the price for you and I to be reconciled back to God. And when you receive Jesus, the Bible says that heaven rejoices, that there's a party going on in heaven when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So, you know, and like Rachel said, you, as you surrender your life, you might think, well, I, you know, I got to stop this. I got to, we didn't stop anything. We just received Jesus. And then gradually we didn't want those things anymore because the love of God was strong enough to bring us out of that darkness and bring us into new life and bring us victory and heal us. And many people, you're going to hear some testimonies this morning, have their lives have been changed, things that have happened when you were a child or, or even in an adult. It, it doesn't matter. When God's love comes in, it changes everything. So we're asking you today, have you ever surrendered your life to Jesus? This is your day. God knew you would be here this morning. And you know why? Because he loves you so much. He's trying to bring you to a place that would tell you, I love you. I want you to surrender my life to surrender your life to me and see what I can do with it. That's what God says to you this morning. And secondly, maybe you've come to this place and, and maybe once upon a time you gave your life to the Lord, but you've grown cold. That happens at times. There was a time in your life when maybe you were on fire for God and, and, and he was using you, but something happened. And now you're just going through the motions, but, and you find it hard to pray, and you find it hard to read your Bible or even, even go to church. People have given the church a bad name. You heard Rachel. But Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And you are, you are the church. 
God used to use you, and, and you look back to those days, and you should say, you, you, and you say, well, I, I, I wish I could get back. Well, the Lord says to you today, you can get back today. You can get back today. So I'm going to ask everyone to just bow their heads for just a moment. We're going to close this session and have a song, and then, and then we're going to bring uh, Jody up here. But I want to pray with you right now. I want everyone, no looking around. Maybe you have never received Jesus. Or maybe you've been away it, for a long time. This is your time. God is calling you back. God is calling you for his purpose. Maybe you've wondered, what is my purpose in life? He's got a purpose for you, just like he had for Rachel. He has a plan for your life. I'm going to say this prayer. It's that simple. It's amazing how simple it is. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes, and if I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And if you'll say this prayer and surrender your life to God, number one, if you haven't been born again today, will be your day for new life in Christ Jesus. If you've never surrendered your life. Number two, if you've been away from God, I believe there's a refreshing and I believe the second part of this, this session is going to really change your life. So I want you to say this prayer after me and ask Jesus into your heart. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead you, and you can repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you now, and I thank you so much for sending Jesus to take away my sins. I thank you for forgiving me. I thank you that Jesus... He died, and he rose again. And today, I believe that I'm forgiven as I surrender my life to you. Jesus, I believe in my heart, and I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I surrender my life to you today, and I thank you that I'm free. I'm forgiven and every sin is washed under the blood. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you said that for the very first time, I'm telling you, you need to tell somebody about it. Uh, you tell who, who you came with. Uh, I'm, it, it will change your life. It, when, you're, when you receive Jesus, listen, I, I, I got on the phone. I was calling everybody. I was out in Arizona. I was calling my family. I went home, and my mom was so religious. I, I said, I, I was like, I'm saved. You have to get saved. You have to get saved. And you know what my mom did? She screamed at me, don't tell me about that stuff, because she was in religion. But you know what? We prayed, and my mom got radically saved, and all my six sisters and my brother and aunts and uncles started getting saved. And I'm telling you, it was a move of God. You got to tell somebody what happened to you. And then God uses what you tell them to stir their hearts up. Amen? Towards God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. He's not done with you yet. Amen? I'm going to have you go ahead and be seated to and um, I'm going to ask Jody to come on up here. Listen, you know, our last breakfast was before COVID, ladies' breakfast. And uh, 
I've been wanting to have one for a while, and I just didn't have the right, the plan. And then uh, Jody came along. She's been ministering to ladies for many years. And we've had some good conversations. And honestly, I want you to open up your heart today because you're going to have open heart surgery. I believe the God of heaven is going to do open heart surgery on you. And everyone in this place, whether you've been in church for 50 years or this is your first time, I believe God has something special for you today. Amen? We're also going to, we're going to be uh, giving some baskets away and things at the end. But I just want you to just, just focus on what God has for you this morning. Amen? Jody. I didn't know I would be crying. <laughs> but I want you to welcome the Holy Spirit. He is here. <laughs> How are you? I am so happy to be here, and I'm so happy that you're here. God isn't done with you yet. The greatest miracle God will do in your life is transform you. Are you ready to be changed and transformed? Amen. Hallelujah. I want to thank Pastor Judy for this opportunity to share a message that is so close to my heart. Amen. <laughs> this is... <laughs> Well, you don't all know a lot about me, so let me start with I'm very happily married to my husband, Bill, back there. <laughs> Almost next month, 42 years. And you know what, ladies? It gets better and better. I actually like him now. <laughs> we have three wonderful sons, Jared, who gave me the first girl in our family, Amelia. And he's a pilot, as, as well as my husband. He flies all over the world. And then I have Jeremy, my love. He's got the big heart. Jared's the responsible one. He's a machinist making aircraft parts. <laughs> and then I have Trevor, who I called my treasure. He is um, a singer-songwriter in Nashville. He was a worship leader for over 15 years. And I'm going to um, start off with a story about his identity. So when he was six years old, you know, he could do whatever his two older brothers could do, he could do better. And so I said, Trevor, what's it like being you? And he says, Mom, it's awesome. I wish you could be me for a day. <laughs> and we all might have felt like that when we were six, but today, maybe not so much, right? So our identity is our core belief of who you believe you are. It's about your beliefs and understanding that you have. It's how others perceive you and label you. Your identity encompasses your memories, experiences, relationships, and your values. Your real self includes your physical, emotional, and spiritual self. So who and what do you believe about yourself? What labels are you wearing on the inside? Your identity is not the roles like mother, teacher, nurse, 
daughter, sister, chef, housekeeper, chauffeur. Your uh, true identity is much deeper than any of your roles. And we're going to see that in Psalm 139, 13 through 18. You made, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body, and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand, and when I wake up, you are still with me. God is the author of your identity because he is your creator. Genesis 1.27 says, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. We are made in his image. God's character runs through the, every creation that he has made and every one of us. He, his DNA runs through your blood. Let's hear just a little bit about what God says about us and who he is. He sent Jesus to die in our place. He forgives us. His mercy, mercies are new every morning. He lavishes his love on you. He will never leave you or abandon you. He protects you. He guides you. He comforts you. He holds your tears in a bottle. He counsels you. He heals you. He sings over you. He calls you his masterpiece. And he tells you, you are more than a conqueror. Ladies, repeat after me. I am who God says I am. I have what God says I have. I can do what God says I can do. Do you believe it? Then say amen. Hallelujah. I recommend Mark Hankins' book, The Power of Identification with Christ. I'm reading it now. He says in the book, we can never rise in life above our own understanding of who we are. Therefore, it becomes vital for us to understand who God says we are and what God says we have. Really, your true identity is who God created you to be. So many people today are dealing with an identity crisis because there are so many voices trying to tell them who they are and what they are since the time they have been born. However, God is our creator. He alone reserves the rights to tell us who we are and what we are like. Many of us can be positive, successful, and faith-filled on the outside. But deep down, we're consumed with negative thoughts. I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not thin enough. We believe we're just not enough. But we are enough. We're more than enough. Tell the lady next to you that you are more than enough. <laughs> Amen.
Ephesians 3.19 says, And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Do you know when you gave your life to Christ, you were given everything you'll ever need? All the fullness of God. But we have to develop it. We have to work together with the Holy Spirit. Regardless of being enough, we somehow just don't believe it. At least yet. Because of our negative thoughts and our negative self-talk and our negative wrong beliefs, we're dealing with self-esteem issues. We have little to no confidence. We have settled and accepted our brokenness and our shattered self-image. Many of us have developed a false sense of self, believing we have little or no worth. So how does that false identity form? How do we become broken? Well, first of all, we're born into a broken world. And Satan is the ruler of this world in John 12, 31. This is not to say that he rules the world completely because God is still sovereign. But it does mean that God in his infinite wisdom has allowed Satan to operate in this world within the boundaries God has set for him. When the Bible says Satan has power over the world, we must remember that God has given him dominion only to unbelievers. Believers are no longer under the rule of Satan, Colossians 1.13. Amen. Satan is the accuser and deceiver. He's the fathers of, all, of lies. And some of us have become familiar with those lies and have grown comfortable with his voice, believing that we can trust that voice, that voice that lies to us and it accuses us, his plan is to kill, steal, and destroy us. Jesus says in 10.10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have abundant life, have life, and that they may have it abundantly. Are you living an abundant life? If you're not, it's time. Life is good when we're walking hand in hand with the Lord. So other reasons that our identities are broken and shattered is because maybe you dealt with being bullied, maybe a terrible divorce, maybe you've been assaulted domestically in your marriage, or you're dealing with rejection, and et cetera, on and on. Many of us have painful memories from our past, especially from the experiences in our own families. And so we live broken without truly knowing who we are in Christ. And we can't live in peace with who we are. We experience no peace being who we are. Being me was painful. I was uncomfortable living within myself. I was confused, insecure, I was sensitive to other people's behavior. I felt responsible for their anger, their unhappiness, or their rejection of me. It was always my fault. And I wore a label inside, and I wore it everywhere I went, and it said less than. Maybe you are much like I once was, 
broken and wearing a label that it says less than or something else. I carried my broken identity into my adult life, never feeling good enough. I struggled with life. I was searching for love and acceptance. I was searching for a place to fit in and belong. How could I find love and accept how could I find love and acceptance when I didn't even love and accept myself? You don't learn to love and accept yourself when your own parents don't love and accept you. Our self-esteem, our identity, our value, and our view of God comes from our parents' attitudes and actions toward us. Those have been, that have been loved, valued, and protected um, tend to have a healthy self-image and a healthy view of God. But when we have not been loved, valued, or protected by our parents, we tend to be insecure. We feel we have to earn a, a sense of worth and love. We view God as a villain, thinking he's angry and mad at us, just waiting for him to punish us. In other words, we expect God to treat us the same way our parents did. What do you believe about yourself? How do you see yourself? Do you wear negative labels inside? Do you feel you have to earn people's love and acceptance? Do you take responsibility for other people's behavior and actions? Are you a people pleaser? Do you overexplain? Dr. Caroline Leaf says overexplaining is a common trauma response for those who were made to feel always at fault as a child. At one point, the desire to people please provided safety. Please know it's not your fault for what happened. It's not your job to regulate and boost other people's emotional state. You are set free today. Remember that. Let me say that again. Let me say that again. It's not your job to regulate and boost other people's emotional state. Not your husbands, not your kids, not your parents, not your coworkers. Amen? Amen. I felt responsible for just about everything and anything because that's how I was conditioned as a child. Every time something went wrong, it was my fault. Do you relate? You getting this? The past is where we get information about ourselves. Your past may be different than mine, but we have all been hurt, rejected, and betrayed. And maybe you have even been abused. And now you're dealing with the shattered self-image and a false identity. Our past can tell us wrong things about our identity and lies about who we really are. When we've been broken, we see ourselves, we see others, and we see our circumstances through broken, shattered lenses. Our, our understanding and perception of how we see things in ourselves has been contaminated and polluted. We struggle with believing God's truth and who he says we are. We have difficulty believing and receiving his unconditional love for us 
abuse messes with the mind. It certainly messed my mind up. It messed my thought patterns and beliefs, and I was filled with guilt and shame. What a way to come out of your family. Can you relate? Can anybody relate? I viewed my behavior, oh, this is good. Listen up. I viewed my behavior and actions through the lens of a microscope. I was always looking for my faults and flaws that were inside of me and magnifying them against me. I judged and criticized myself. Don't forget, that's how I was treated. I was judged and criticized. And when you learn that as a child, you treat yourself the same way. It might look different, it might have different words, and it might be wrapped differently. But the abuse, the self, the self-behavior continues. My thoughts and self-talk were self-sabotaging. Self-destructive behavior will keep us down, depressed, broken, and stuck in the past. I gave my power away to people who are manipulative and controlling. Again, I was conditioned to do that as a child. And so when I wanted to be liked by someone, I gave them my power. I gave my control away. And you know what that was doing? I was, I was sabotaging myself. I was betraying myself every time I did that. Are you living with guilt and shame? Are you taking responsibilities for other people's actions? Do you have an imaginary microscope where you are magnifying everything you do and say against you? Is your behavior towards yourself causing you to self-destruct? Ladies, it's time to stop all of that behavior and, and negative self-talk. Stop condemning yourself. That's not helping you at all. Your Father in Heaven does not condemn you. He is a good, good Father. Amen. Romans 8, 1 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ. Do you believe that? Amen. Amen. John three seventeen says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. I'm so glad he saved me. I'm so glad he took my broken life and put it back together. And yours too. When we grow up with tra trauma or tragedy, we struggle throughout life without understanding or wisdom of how to work through our problems and through our relationships. When things go wrong, we blow it out of proportion and mess things up. Because we weren't taught or given the tools to fix and solve difficult situations. Can you relate to that? I know some of you can. So we live broken lives and broken relationships with a broken identity. And those problems we live with can range from living afraid 
Dealing with fear of man, we'll address that in the Bible study. We are easily intimidated. We're critical and judgmental of ourselves and others. We're insecure, defensive, in denial. We isolate and build walls to hide behind. We're lonely and depressed. Did I miss anything? In the Identity Bible Study, I will address, address these harmful feelings and behaviors and help you to overcome them. I don't know your personal stories or the tragedies you've endured, but God does. And God has been with you through them all. And he's still with you. Yes, amen. He will never leave you or abandon you. He's your healer, your comforter, your counselor. You may feel broken today. You may feel less than. You may still be living in toxic relationships where you are repeating and reliving your past and are stuck. That's another issue we're going to deal with, toxic relationships. Because I'm just going to tell you, ladies, I'm giving you permission that just because you're a Christian, you do not have to stay in toxic relationships. It's time to set healthy boundaries. I want to give you four Ds to help you along the journey to freedom, what helped me. Desperation, determination, detours, and destination. You want to write them down? You can. Desperation, determination, detours, and I mean, yeah, and destination. So many years back, probably like over 15 years ago, <clears throat> my pastor asked to meet with me. And I was in a large church on the North Shore. And he said, um, I want you to be our new WM leader, the women's ministry leader. And I'm like, what are you thinking to myself? Like, don't you know who I am? Like, I said to him, please don't pick me. Please don't pick me. I don't have what it takes. I really don't. And he said, well, the Holy Spirit told me to pick you. And then the Holy Spirit began working on me. I knew God was calling me and not man. And the way I grew up, I, I, knew, I knew God at a young age, but not the religious God I knew. And I loved him, and I did everything I could to obey him. I woke up every morning while my mother was hung over in bed, and I used to get a veil at like eight years old out of her drawer and put it on and walk to church by myself because I was told it was a mortal sin if I didn't go to church. And God protected me all those years of walking alone. And then I remember when I um, entered into CCD, I was, what, nine or 10? And I used to walk in the dark all alone once a week and, and just come home and pray and tell my sisters I'm sorry for the way I treated you. So why I'm telling you that is I was very obedient, and I, I answered that call, and I did it afraid. And each time I preached or spoke at a woman's event, I felt naked and exposed because I was open. As you can see, I'm real and I'm transparent. 
and it was all I knew how to be. I felt like I wasn't protecting myself. But God was growing me up right here in the pulpit, right in front of everybody. I was growing up as a women's ministry leader. I had no experience. I was letting go a little bit every day of that less than label that I wore. And during this time, I have been given so many opportunities. I was even asked to be a speaker at our Assemblies of God district retreat, retreat with 1,500 women to come up here and spoke, speak. Talk about scared. I was literally shaking in my boots. I really was. I got up in the morning, I got coffee in the table, and then the coffee spilled all over the floor. And, um, but you know what? God knows what he's doing. You got to do it afraid, ladies. When I was finished, you know what happened? I got a standing ovation. Are you kidding me? I'm like, me? Me? I didn't even know how to walk down off the stairs after that. I didn't know how to go sit down. I was not expecting that. God was proven to me that he didn't make a mistake when he called me. But I still struggled, and I still struggled. And I still believed I wasn't enough, because this takes time, ladies. And I didn't go to a faith-filled Holy Spirit church like this back then. I went to a great church in the Assemblies of God, and I learned so much. But I probably learned more about faith in the Holy Spirit in the year and a half I've been here in my whole life. <laughs> Amen. You know, I want to add something there because when I came, moved to the South Shore, it was because I was, we were buying my mother-in-law's house on the water. And that, that was such a gift and a blessing, and we made it into our dream home. Thank you, God. He provided the way. But I was driving here one day alone, and my husband was working, and God said to me, you thought I brought you down here for that house. He said, that house was just a gift to get you here. This is what I'm like hearing this loud and clear. He said, I brought you here for this church. This is what you've been praying for. Amen. So one day, as I struggled, I said to God, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not teaching anymore because I brought that microscope with me home. Every time I got off the pulpit or done it from teaching, I took that microscope up and I said, I said, God, I'm sick and tired of this. I can't live with this fear anymore, this insecurity. I just want to be left alone. And then I come here and here I am again. <laughs> you know what God said to me? He said, do you want to become like the Dead Sea where everything inside you dies? I won't be able to put anything new inside of you if you don't give it away to the women. Do you see, ladies? God was healing me while I was doing the hard thing. I had to pour myself out. We have to pour ourselves out so that God can fill us back up. 
We have to come out from our hiding place. We have to grow some muscle. We have to be strong and courageous. You know what, ladies? You are in the safest place in your life when you're in the will of God. You know, I think of Esther. I, did the, I taught that study way back many years ago. And she was an orphan girl who lost her parents. And she lived with her uncle Mordecai. And he said, I want you, the whole story, I can't go into it, but the king got rid of Vashti as queen because she wasn't obedient to him. And so um, he was looking for a new queen. And so Esther went and for a whole year did all the preparations. And God chose her, this little orphan teenager. God chose her to become the queen because he knew that she would do what it would take to save the Jews, the Israelites. She had to go before the Lord, I mean go before the king, and if he didn't hold the scepter out to her, she would be dead. And she made a decision, I'm going to save my people. And, and that took a lot of courage, ladies. And so we have to be strong and courageous. We have to trust what God's calling us to do. So my journey from desperation became determination. Oh, yeah, there were detours and bumps along the way, but I was determined to reach my destination, my promised land, where milk and honey flow. You want to go on that journey with me? You want to go where there's milk and honey that flows? Where the chains that bound me would break off and fall to the ground. I was so ready, girls, because I knew God wasn't letting me out of this. There was no other way out but to get healed. I am happy to say that I'm not that same broken girl anymore. I have grown and learned so much because I stepped out and I did it afraid. Today, I have become aware of my thoughts and my self-talk. I love and accept myself right where I'm at. I affirm myself when I speak to myself and I have become my own best friend. I'm the only one I can never get away from. I might, you might as well like yourself, girls. I declare God's word over myself, and you know what? I like me today. And when that microscope tries to make an appearance, this is what I do. I physically brush everything off of me. You see, ladies, God has a wonderful plan for every one of you. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Oh, I thought I was being harmed up at the pulpit growing up in front of everybody. But he prospered me. And it's plans to give you a hope and a future. Maybe your today doesn't look so good but your tomorrow's going to get a lot better. God wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. Galatians 12.2 says, I, I walked around for two weeks repeating this over myself because I was nervous. I'm not going to lie to you. I'll always be nervous when I get up here. But God... 
And when I was over there praising the Lord, what a song that was, Alex. That was perfect. Perfect. I felt the Holy Spirit fall on me. And I began trembling. And it wasn't a scared tremble. It was a Holy Spirit tremble. And the tears were coming. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I'm going to get up there crying. That was a move of the Holy Spirit. So I walked around because God said, I had right on my bureau for a long time, but I started repeating it over me. I will bless you, and you will be a blessing to others. See, God was saying, I'm going to bless you, Jody, every day. You're not going to walk in fear and insecurity this time because you're going to be a blessing to the women. You're his women. He loves you. His plan for you is going to be far beyond your wildest dreams. Just watch what the Lord is going to do with you and in you, in your life. God's plan wasn't to protect me my feelings of inadequacy, insecurity, or my fears, but to heal me and to prove to me I could do this and rise above them, that I could walk in strength and courage. And I have been, I've done two conferences in Kenya. Talk about afraid. <laughs> oh, boy, did that take me out of my comfort zone. But let me give you a little testimony about what happened there. So the first time I went there and spoke, all the Maasai women, they walked for three days, I heard. They walked for miles to get there. I was in a village where the cows were starving. I mean it. You could see their bones. The dogs were starving. They had food in this little area I was in, but they didn't have food for much. And we were eating chicken one day, and my pastor from Kenya said to me, our chickens are tough around here. When you eat them, they're tough, because they live a tough life. So where was I? Oh, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the women as I'm speaking, and this is how they were, every one of them, except the ones that were leaders in the church that I was at. The whole time they worshiped like this, they, kept, they thought nothing about who they were. Nothing. They had nothing. And, I, and I'm like, you know, why'd you bring me... Before I got there, like, why God? Like, Africa's not where I want to go. But you know what? When God calls you, I saw Africa everywhere. Everywhere I went. I went to the airport one day to pick up my husband. There's zebras on the wall and elephants and Maasai people. I mean, he gave me that. He let me know, yeah, I'm really calling you here. But then when I went back a year later, ladies, and did another conference, every lady was looking at my eyes. I don't know what God did, but he used me as his vessel. I don't know what they saw, but God does. Oh, that was amazing. God equips those he calls. We have to trust and obey because there's no better way. What is God calling you to do? <laughs> <laughs> whatever and wherever that is, just do it. Trust and obey. Today, ladies, is a brand new day. 
it's time to begin a brand new chapter in your life. And that chapter is God's chapter. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 says, but forget all of that. All that is in the past. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. For I am about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create a pathway through the dry wasteland. Listen, some of you have been living in the wilderness, just like the Israelites. They had an 11-day journey out of there to the promised land. You might have an 11-month or 11-day or 11-week, but you've been in there stuck for so many years. But God's doing a new thing. Tell the lady next to you, God's doing a new thing. Amen. He is a God of new things. He wants to make all things new for you. He wants to rescue you, restore you, redeem you, and your past. He wants to realign your hearts with his. He's calling you through the scriptures to look to him, to hope in him, to trust in him, and to let him heal you. It's time to disarm the lies with God's truth and peel away those negative lying labels. Are you ready? Yes. Amen. Are you ready to live at peace being you? Yes. Are you ready to engage in healthy relationships? Yes. Are you ready to live a life filled with joy and peace? Yes. Amen. Me too. We're going together. It's time to believe and receive God's truth, his love and acceptance for you, and to break the chains from your past. In the Identity Bible Study, you will learn how to recognize your negative patterns, your false beliefs that you've developed from all your past experiences, and learn how to deal with them, heal from them, and become whole, and live out your true identity in Christ. I'm going to tell you a little bit about the seven keys. You're my family. I love you ladies. We are sisters. When I sit in this new church and I look and I say, this is my family. I'm so happy to be here. I love you all. Key one is the true, is the, this is about a relationship with self. It's the core belief of who you believe you are and all of that. And key two is this is a relationship we're going to learn about with God. It's learning how to engage in an re intimate relationship with the Father so that you can believe and receive his love and acceptance. Key three, this is about a one-on-one -on -one relationship, sharing in a relationship with another person learning how to trust in that relationship. For me, it was a Christian counselor. Of course, it was always my husband, but we were both broken. He's, he's back there. He's going to get healed from this message too today. <laughs> it might be with a Christian counselor, a mentor, a pastor, a friend. It's finding restoration and feeling safe in that relationship. 
Self-awareness is key for. This is about a relationship with your thoughts, your feelings, your self-talk, your self-behavior. This is about how you treat yourself. Is your help behavior helpful or self-sabotaging? If we can't experience self-acceptance, then we won't be able to treat ourselves well. Key five is vulnerability. This is about a relationship and community, just like this. It's in a group setting, in a church, it's a connect group, a Bible study, maybe even a book club. When we connect with others together, and we can be open and honest about our life experiences, that's a healing thing. Also, vulnerability is about letting go of shame. You're walking in any shame, ladies? I know I did for so long. I've, I've brushed that right off of me. Key six is this is about a relationship in the world. When we walk out of those doors and we're living in the world, it's outside of our safe community. This is your relationship with maybe your families, your coworkers, friends, neighbors. It's relationships in the world where you start thinking about making boundaries where needed. We're going to learn a lot in this key about the fear of man. Key seven is, this is a relationship about freedom. This is where you will find peace being you, peace with God and walking into your promised land. Some of you may not be able to participate at this time, and I will make this study available again for you. But you can do these things now if you can't come to the study, which starts this Tuesday. You all got a little card, and I'll go over that after. You must start with salvation. You need to be saved to know who you are in Christ. He's your creator. He gave you an identity. You want to read, study, and meditate on the word every day. And you know what that, someone once said, don't stop reading the word until it said something to you, until you heard God say something, until you had a revelation, a light bulb moment. And then you want to declare God's word over you every day, like I did this week. Like I will bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. Whatever that word is, find a word and declare it all day over you. When fear comes in, declare it. When insecurity comes in, declare it. I'm telling you, that was the most powerful thing that happened to me. And you know where I learned that? Here. From, and from Mark Hankins. Become aware of your negative thoughts and your self-talk. That we're going to learn in key four. You've got to be aware of how you're speaking to yourself, what you're thinking about yourself, and even your circumstances and other people. You don't want to even think bad things about other people because you can get angry and mad and move on, but that's God's creation. Hurting people hurt people. You want to read books on the subjects that you need healing in. I've done so many topical Bible studies over the years that helped heal women. You know, Joyce Meyer, Beth Moore, um, Lisa Turkhurst. Um, the list goes on and on. Read Mark Hankins' book, The Power of Identification in Christ, after hearing this today. Get involved in small groups, support groups, connect groups, or a Bible study. And ladies, be willing to do the hard things. 
Take risks and don't stop until. Galatians 6, 9 says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. If I gave up, would I be here today with you? I probably wouldn't still be married. I probably wouldn't have a good relationship with my three sons. Listen, go all the way through the wilderness and hold God's hands because he'll show you the way. John 14 says, 16 says, Jesus tells us he is the way. He's the truth and the life. And don't stop until you reach your promised land where you will find peace and joy being you and peace with God. I've lived for so long without peace with God. I thought he was like my mother and father. Love and accept yourself no matter what. Love and accept yourself no matter what. Love and accept yourself no matter what. Remember that because you're going to make mistakes. People are going to judge you. People are going to give you a hard time. They're going to reject you. All right. You ready? You all got a key in your little gift bag. Pull your key out. This key is to symbolize, symbolizes access into your promised land. It's going to unlock doors, and you're going to enter in to your true identity. You can hold on to it, put it in your wallet, put it on your keychain, put it where you can see it so that you remember that God's going to unlock your identity in Christ. So ladies, if you would all bow your head and close your eyes, we're going to pray. I want you to raise your hand if this message reached your heart, if it spoke to your heart. All eyes are closed. Lord, I thank you and praise you that we're all here by your divine appointment, that you have brought us together as sisters in Christ, that you have unloaded a big message on who they are. You created them. Their identity is only found in Jesus Christ. Lord, help them to be strong and courageous and walk hand in hand with you out of the wilderness, out of their brokenness, and into your wonderful light, into your arms, into a place of peace and joy where milk and honey flows. Bless these ladies, and may they always look to you, no matter what they're going through. We love you, Lord. We honor you. We thank you for being here with us. We thank you for what you've done in our lives, for what you're doing today, and what you're yet to do. In Jesus' name, amen. You, you all got a card about the Bible study. It begins this Tuesday in the sanctuary at 930. I love you. Thank you.